Hello, hello, and welcome back. Today, I have a scene to confess. I am, and I have been watching Snob for a while. Uh, ever since I became watching Enthusiast, uh, Straps has been just as important uh, as watches have been. And uh, I have owned basically every major brand out there, including Rubber, B Everest, um, Erika's Original, and all that. And uh, I did actually made my own straps for a while from leather. Not long ago, I did flip the watch that came on a strap that I became obsessed with. Not only that, I started researching and learning about the strap so much that I had to connect with the company that makes that strap and invite them to the podcast because I was very impressed by basically every aspect of the strap and the company behind. So today I'm very pleased to have Bill from Art and Strap on the podcast. Hi, Bill, and welcome to the podcast. G'day, Nico. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's the weather there, man? Uh, today, beautiful. Good day to be outside, actually, which is a change. We've been having a bit of a bit of cold and a bit of rain recently, but um, Australians being ones who love the sun, it's a refreshing change coming around. We, when we talk about sun, we always talk about Australia here in Finland. Everybody in the winter wants to go to Australia because our winter is rough. Uh, yeah, our summer is rough, as you may know from the world of bushfires and stuff. So, you know, you got to time it right. There's a, there's a sweet spot and that's where you got to come visit us. Definitely. Um, Bill, we have a new segment in the podcast. It's a quiz. And this time it's going to be about your home country. So I'm going to ask you several questions. Mm -hmm. You have uh, less than a minute to answer each of them. Some of them are funny. Some of them are weird. I hope uh, you're ready. Are you ready? Oh, ready, but nervous. But let's do it, I guess. What was the Australia's name before it was called Australia? I'm sure I've heard this somewhere, but... Is it New Holland? Yes, correct. Okay, no, one down. Quest, question, <laughs> question two. Uh, who is Jim Jeffries? Uh, I believe he's some Australian stand-up comedian, but sorry to say, I have really haven't seen much of his content. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Question three. Name three Australian watch brands. Well, I feel bad for not knowing many here, but... Um, Melbourne Watch Company, I'm pretty sure is Australian, considering it is called Melbourne Watch Company. And uh, oh, Second Hour, I think, is another one. I can't really think yeah. of a third, so two out of three is not bad. Holtman and Bosell as well are, are Australian. Oh, okay. We have Holtman very soon on the podcast. Uh, next question would be, how many stars are in uh, the Australian flag? Okay, so there's six stars in total on the Australian flag. So to the right of the Union Jack, you've got the uh, Southern Star constellation with the five stars there. And there's a one star under the Union Jack called the um, Commonwealth, Commonwealth Star. And that's correct. Uh, next, next question will be, how many time zones are in Australia? We are a big enough country to have more than one time zone, surprisingly. So we've got the eastern time zone, central and western, so there's three, three time zones. That's correct. Next question, I'm probably going to butcher the name uh, considering I don't uh, have Australian accent, but how fast does EMU run approximately? I think it's a good attempt. Um, the EMU, I have no idea how fast it runs, but I would not want to get chased by one. I'll definitely put that out there. They look like they'd be a pretty fast bird. 50 kilometers per hour or 31 miles. That is bloody fast. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that in the Olympics. 
Yeah, <laughs> and they're big birds. Oh, they're, yeah, they're massive birds. Yeah, I've seen them up in uh, in person, but uh, never been chased by one. Thank God for and that. There is a big history in Australia with the emus. Uh, you guys went to war with them. Yes, correct. In the 1930s, we actually went to war against emus, believe it or not. So The whole military and all that. Yep. Crazy. Name three Australian inventions. Okay. On my list, it would probably be the cochlear implant. We've got Wi-Fi, which I guess everyone knows about. And then there's a very little known invention called Vegemite, which is a spread that people put on toast. You either hate it or you love it. Some people say it tastes like poison. Other people have it for <laughs> breakfast every day. So it's quite divisive, but it's it's an it's an Aussie uh, it's an Australian loved invention, I guess. That's interesting. I'll check it out. We have something here in Scandinavia called Kales Caviar, and there is YouTube videos. I encourage you to check uh, about Kales Caviar, uh, and that's uh, that's uh, kind of the same thing. You either love it or hate it, and we love it. All oh, right. Okay. Is that the uh, is that uh, what I found? Is yeah. that the test for a true Scandinavian? You love it. You're a true. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. <laughs> um, on my list here is the electric drill, the ultrasound uh, pacemaker, and the black box on airplanes. And one of the most important ones that Finns know about is a boxed wine coming from Australia. Invention. Uh, the next one will be uh, name three famous Australians, and that will be the last question. Right. So I had a uh, Liam Hemsworth on there, Hugh Jackman, uh, Margot Robbie. Oh, and then of course there's a uh, yeah, the comedian that you like, Jim Jeffries as well. Yeah, yeah. Then we have Nicole Kidman, Rebel Wilson that become uh, famous lately. Simon Baker, the sexiest man alive from Australia. Really? You don't know about that one. Kylie Minogue, Russell Crowe, and Mel Gibson, of course. But he's more American than, than Australia nowadays, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. The quiz is over. Well done. Uh, let's move to you. And uh, please tell, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background, who you are. Yep. Well, um, my name is Bill, as we discussed uh, at the start. My business partner's name is Justin. So we both became friends in our university days. I was studying engineering. So I'm an engineer by trade. And uh, Justin's a physiotherapist by trade. And we kind of started to just get talking about watches. And anyone who loves watches tends to, to lean towards, you know, what is in your collection? Why do you like watches? For, our, for us, it was always about the creativity and the way watches tick. And uh, the kind of artisanship that goes into it. So that was very important to us. Eventually, as most people do, we started to explore the world of modifying watches and yeah kind of just got it going from there um i understand uh, you were into watches long time before before artem what watches did you like and uh, yeah how how did you get into watches in the very yeah beginning? well i guess answered a bit of that in the previous question but it was always about for us that little ticking of the watch you know the fact that what makes it sort of come to life the mechanical machinery that sits inside a watch has always been very intriguing and that's always attracted us to watches itself. That's kind of what probably got us into watches at the start. No particular watches. Um, my dad got me my first watch, was which was the Tissola Lock for my 18th. That was it. Ever since mm -hmm. then, I was hooked. Like constantly watching videos and 
reading articles about watches, and then the, for my 21st, it was the uh, the Seiko SKX, and anyone who owns an Seiko SKX knows that you cannot simply just own a Seiko SKX and not do anything to it. So then there was modifying that, and that was a deep sort of rabbit hole that I guess I'm still diving deep into as we speak. The thing with the Seiko SKX is it's it's cheap enough to experiment. So you're like, maybe I open the back case, maybe I switch the the movement, maybe I I, I change the bezel. And before you know it, you change hands and dials and all that because it's not that difficult. So please walk me through the entire story in detail. How did you guys uh, get into making straps? For, what was the humble beginning? Did you just got guys uh, sat down and have a coffee and hey, let's make strap? Or what was the 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 birth of the idea? Well, after countless sleepless nights and months in the making i wish that's how easy it was to sit down over a coffee and decide to make a strap but oh no it was anything but that <clears throat> so justin also being a watch connoisseur he owned a blancpain uh 50 fathoms and it got to a certain point and you know that comes with the sailcloth strap the uh that's probably been the cornerstone of every sailcloth strap lovers um grail sort of watch and that needed a new strap at some point. So we got looking for him for a new strap and he had the options of A, going down and uh, buying an OEM strap for what would be an unimaginable, unimaginable high sum. I checked 450 euro to Finland. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And that's without the buckle. Yeah, if you find it. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, then he could go down the path of looking at aftermarket straps, which we did. We did go down that path of seeing, okay, what's out there? But without going too far into what that market really was like, it just wasn't for us. Like, it just wasn't it. It just wasn't hitting the nail on the head, as we say here. So we said, you know what? Let's make it ourselves. If we can't find it, if no one's doing it, let's make the best strap. And essentially, that's what it was. It's been... Well, we launched two years after that. It took us two years to just sort of get to the bottom of how we want the strap to feel, what material needs to feel like, what it needs to look like under sunlight, under different kinds of lighting, in the dark, everything, at night, in the morning, how it feels between the skin. Yeah, probably being an unhealthy obsession with perfection, but it's uh, it's taken its time. But, you know, the market's responded and clearly likes what we're doing. But... Uh, yeah, very humble beginnings in that regard. Yeah, there is no question about uh, the, the watch community loves the strap. And uh, I have to ask, uh, what makes a good sailcloth strap? Okay. Look, for starters, what makes a good sailcloth strap is what makes any strap good, right? So a few things include how well it wears, how comfortable it is, of course, how it looks, how well it fits the watch, and how well it complements the watch. And then does it, is it fit for purpose? So if you're intending to use it in a boardroom versus going into the water, or is it for a tool watch, is it for a dress watch, etc., etc. But specifically what makes a sailcloth strap good, let's dive a bit further into that. So number one, you've got to start with the upper material. So not the, not the material that touches your wrist, but the stuff at the top. It's very, very important that A, it feels just right. So our strap material, we went through a whole host of different kind of materials. And when we were doing market research and when we were doing R&D, we were looking for this sort of waxy sort of feel. 
this particular feeling you get when you touch our strap almost as if there is almost as if you think it's moist but it's not and this kind of grainy feel you get in between your fingers that's very important because that's essentially what you're going to go for and then secondly that upper material how well does it interact with light our material is like almost a a spelt silhouette in the dark that's the that's the kind of look we're going for you know when a dark black curtain covers a really nice brand new car and you're kind of guessing what's under it but you know it looks good before you even see the car that's the upper material that we're going for and then lastly well it's a sailcloth strap mate you're gonna gonna take it into the water you know we've got people telling us they go into the shower with it they go swimming with it go ahead do what you want it's, I did. I did yeah. many times now. Correct. And it's water resistant. That's the point. So upper material is number one. You need to nail that. Number two is the underside. The underside material is the stuff that actually rests on your wrist. So of course, it needs to be non-irritant. It can't be causing you rashes and other issues. It shouldn't degrade under excessive sweating and excessive wear. And it shouldn't be sticky. I mean, we deal with 45, 50 degrees here in Australia and you can get quite sweaty. Like this that that starts to stick to your wrists, you won't want to wear it. And then of course, like with the top, everything in the strap has to be water resistant. That's key. Next, it comes down to the stitching. So one thing that differentiates our strap from a lot of other straps on the market is actually our stitching. When you get past the fact that you're seeing how neat it is, you'll notice it's actually quite symmetrical and neat. Other than that, it's also quite thick. If you compare the actual stitch thickness versus a lot of other straps on the market, you'll notice it's a little bit thicker. It gives us look of security, firmness, and looks bolstered well. Then you have the shape, of course. So like I said before, the upper material needs to create a nice contour, a nice silhouette, basically. And that shape that you have with the padding and all the different contours and the different tapers that we have, how the strap tapers from the lug side all the way down to the tip side of the strap, that is critical. And that took us, getting that right took us probably close to a year. Just making sure making sure that when you put it at different angles to how the light hits and how it interacts with the, with the strap, it must retain that beauty. It should never look flat and it should never look like a box or a sort of a flat square cutout. Oh, wow. And then last, lastly, of course, pliability. If the strap can't wrap around your wrists properly and it gives you discomfort in that regard, honestly, it's failed as a strap. The whole point is to, for it to feel unnoticed, but look nice. And we noticed with a lot of straps on the market, there were actually, okay, taking a back a step, every strap needs to have a level of, a set level of firmness so it can provide that structural, structural integrity to actually hold your strap and your holy watch. But some are just so stiff, it can take days and weeks, and sometimes even after that, it won't bend around your wrist properly. So our strap very quickly adapts to your wrist shape, molds quickly, and it'll start wrapping it like a glove. And another key feature that we've got is that floating keeper. So the um, you have a fixed keeper that holds the excess strap, and we have one that floats up and down. So if you've got a smaller wrist and you've got a lot of excess strap hanging off, you move the keeper up, and it holds it to your Hold it closer to your wrist as well. So, for the listeners, you have seen the Artem strap on our podcast Instagram. I have worn yes. this uh, strap on basically every watch I have because it looks good on all the watches as well. Aesthetically, it's just very, very pleasing on all the watches. Yeah, and that's how it should be, really. That's really how it should be. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Yeah. So essentially, the last thing for us on that list was pliability and how quickly it conforms to your 
to your wrist and the shape of your wrist and the size of your wrist. And that's essentially it. If you can nail all of those things, you'll make a fantastic sailcloth strap. Barring the buckle, the buckle is a whole different story altogether. So you need to then, of course, come up with a good buckle that interacts well with light itself. For us, it's always been about how it feels and how it looks in the light. And uh, yeah, we could do a whole other podcast and just making sure how you work with angles and different lighting conditions and different materials. So essentially, that's an nudge. You hit the nail on the head, as you say in Australia. You did absolutely. really absolutely that. And I have tried now Omega clasp and then I have the RM uh, clasp. I actually wear it for the look. I cannot say one is more comfortable than the other, but I just like the look of this one. It's just so minimalist. So I really lo- love the, the look of it. And it's so shiny. It fits oh, yeah. with the watch I'm wearing. The RM clasp is really, really, really taken off quite well. <laughs> um, yeah, very happy with that one. I-, I can talk a little bit about what I think about this strap, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. First one, comfort right out of the box. I did not need a breaking period. Uh, basically, after 10-15 minutes, that was my strap. It became mine really fast. Dries within 20 minutes after being wet. And as I said earlier, I have made this strap wet probably 10-15 times already. Does not fray. That's one thing I'm absolutely blown away. Compared to the other straps, which I will mention in a moment, this did not fray. I don't know how you do those, those holes, but I'm absolutely blown away. Zero fraying. That's, you have to tell me the secret because all the other straps do fray at some point. Yeah, well, that's actually part of the, should have probably mentioned that in the upper material sort of stuff, but in that list I was giving you, upper material, underside, shape and pliability. Um, the fact that it should not fray is a very critical aspect for us. People think sail cloth means cloth, but if you actually put on any kind of the real sailcloth materials available on the market onto your wrist, they're not what you'd want to wear all day. And they do fray. Yeah, and it's so very it's about stiff getting as well. The, it's a, absolutely, and it's about getting that correct material that doesn't fray, looks great, feels great, and performs great. This is not actually exactly a, a sailcloth from, from a sailcloth. Uh, this is a special material. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um. The next thing that was the padding, I do have a Christopher Ward uh, strap that has no padding. It has frayed after about five months of of use, which is rather fast for the price of the strap. And the other thing I I want to mention here is uh, no hotspots. Most of the sailcloth strap developed this hotspot because of the nature of sailcloth material. This one did not develop any hotspot for the for the for the period, and I have worn this on rather heavy watches, uh, on uh, very light watches. It wears rather the same on all the watches, which is strange to me, but welcoming, of course. And that's pretty much. Um, I mentioned the keeper. That's another thing that I'm very impressed with. Uh, it has tiny, tiny bit of of wear, like you have to really look for it. And that sheen, man, on the on the sunlight. Check our last podcast post. You can see the light falling on on that strap uh, from the from the sunset. It's just it's emotional. That's what we want to inspire. We want to inspire emotion. And you do. People should feel passionate about our straps, like we like we do for ours, and uh, that's what we want. 
Bill, we ask every single com- company that uh, comes on the podcast uh, these difficult questions. How are your products made? Uh, we covered already that it's not actually a, uh, a normal cell cloth. Can you talk about the, the material, the how special it is and all that? The material itself is a synthetic material, both the upper and the underside material. And the, the sort of sandwiched inner padding that goes inside is a special kind of padding that we use there as well. I guess all of those three things are a little bit, a little bit, uh, I could almost say company secrets that we try and keep it that way as well a little bit. But I can give you a bit more insight on how we actually make the strap. It's not, it's not largely different to how other straps are made. It's more so a matter of repeating very tedious processes again and again and again until you reach perfection. That's what makes us different. So. Simply put, we cut the upper material into a general layout. Um, the middle insert is also cut out, an adhesive is applied, an appropriate adhesive that's allowing us to use the strap the way it needs to be used. And then different layers are pressed on into a machine, and then the strap is cut again. So it gives a bit of a shape outline to conform to the final shape of the strap. Once the sandwich of the strap is sort of made up, any excess material is cut off and the strap is sewn. Then the sewing is inspected. Any rework that needs to be done is done. And then it's pressed into a die. And any final excess strap that's remaining is cut off. And it's cleaned up and finished by hand. At the end, then it goes through, this is where it gets to the tricky part. So now it goes into quality checking. So we have a double stage quality checking process. Firstly, it's checked straight after production. And any strap that doesn't meet our sort of very, very stringent quality standards is immediately rejected. It's not reworked, it's actually rejected. And when I say stringent, I mean, we have seen some major, major, very expensive retailers selling the straps that we reject, as in selling quality straps like that, that we reject. Once they pass that quality stage, then it goes to the secondary quality checking stage, which is an independent quality check altogether. Aside from that, different team altogether checks it, fresh pair of eyes, And believe it or not, at this stage, almost 50% of the straps that actually pass the first stage are rejected here and thrown away. What? What? what, what repeat that. What did you say? Almost 50%. Almost 50%. Not 15%, 50%. Correct. And you're still in business. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're, not in this to, we're not in this to rip people off, mate. We're in this to give people the best that we can possibly wow. give. Wow. You know, and if that means that... Look, if, if that means that the... The margins are lower, then the margins are lower. It is what it is. That what that's that's what explains all the positive uh, reviews online. I mean, you make no compromise. No, there is no compromise. And it is literally like that at every aspect of our business. Um yeah, fifty percent up to fifty percent are rejected at the second quality check. So they've already been rejected at the first stage. Then when they're passed, they get rejected there. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, our team is still human. If something still gets missed there and it reaches anyone, we welcome anyone with any sort of uh, issues that they've had to reach out to us. No one gets turned away unhappy. We have some of the best customer service within the industry and we really pride ourselves on that. That's what I gather. Um, can you talk about the sizes, the lengths uh, and all that? Your straps come in several, several variations in terms of color, sizes, lengths and all that. Yeah, so 
We've got 19 millimeters, 20, 21, 22, and 23 at this stage, offered in both quick release spring bars and we've got fat spring bars and we've got standard spring bars. We're also offering curved spring bars. And then you've also got the choice in our 20 mil straps of having an extra long if you've got larger wrists or extra small straps because um, that was a request we were getting quite often. Do you get requests from the Panerista guys for 24 millimeters? Oh, well, <laughs> you've actually poked into a bit of a... Uh-oh. You've actually... You, you, yeah. it's We're actually working Feel on the something. Beans. I, I think... <laughs> We're actually working on something, and it was a discussion that we were having today. So maybe the Panaristi crew is uh, getting into our heads. Oh, look, we want to we, we want to address requests from customers. Yeah. They're, they're like our family, right? They're like our friends. We literally get people saying, "Hey, it would be nice if you made this." And believe it or not, we literally do. People enough people ask. We made nineteen. We made nineteen millimeter straps because enough people asked. We said, "Why not?" Twenty one was the same story. Yeah. And uh, perhaps this other one might be a similar sort of direction. Yeah, there is enough uh, companies that make these weird sizes. I mean, uh, Tissot, Christopher Ward make this 19 and 21 millimeters. Mm. And, and it has been a trouble to find a, a good rubber strap. But now when, when uh, Autumn is available, uh, I don't think I have to search no more. The next question will be, uh, we have to cover the customer service because uh, you guys are famous for good customer service uh, Tell me more in detail. Look, so as you know, we're in the Southern Hemisphere on an island nation with no other nations connected to us. So we're, our time zones are a little bit different, but we don't let that affect anyone. We get inquiries from the US, Malaysia, UK, Canada, UAE, any country that you can imagine. We get inquiries all throughout the day. And we address them almost within the hour if we can. If it really gets pushed out, really within the day you will have most likely your entire query answered and if it's any further than that it's an anomaly our customers our questions and queries are looked after almost as quickly as they possibly possibly can that's number one number two is of course all the quality stuff that's part of our customer service as well making sure that what gets out to the customer is something we would ourselves want to wear that's all part of it and even then, if something has gone wrong, as things can, in transit or whatever, we always encourage people to reach out to us. You will never be pushed away. You will never be dealt with unfairly. And we always take it upon us. It's our responsibility, once you have placed an order, to get you the product that you expected to receive. What we described to you, the way you saw it, is what you should receive. If something has happened, we take it upon us to rectify it without delay to it. And in our talks, we, we talk that uh, sometimes it costs you a lot to send a strap, almost as much as the strap costs, but you still do it nevertheless without bothering the customer knowing. Absolutely. And that can happen. Uh, there are some locations where shipping out to the customer can cost, uh, you know, almost as much as a strap. We do it. It's, it's our responsibility. If we've allowed the customer to come to our store and purchase from us and the customer is expecting that service and expecting that product, it is our duty to make sure they get what they're expecting. That's amazing. Would you like to cover also the 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 whole procedure if something happens? Well, what's the next step? If let's say my, my strap malfunctions, uh, what shall I shall I do? Look, if your strap is malfunctioned, um, the best thing to do is reach out to us through our contact us page. 
and select faulty item. There's a drop-down list you can go through there. Essentially, from that stage, it's just a matter of us assessing what's gone wrong. If, if it's something that we believe we should have done better, number one, it goes through our feedback system. We'll immediately feedback through our team. Look, this has gone wrong. We've got to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, how can we address this? What can be done better? Number two, we also request photos. We don't normally require you to send the strap back. It really depends on the situation, but you know the preference is to make sure least hassle for the customer as possible. So it's a matter of them sending a photo through. We assess the photo, and then the problem is resolved from there. Fantastic. And I ask you this because uh, your website has one of the most clear instructions what to do. Oh, we want it to be clear. Like you're buying, a, you're buying a strap from the other side of the world. You want to make sure that you'll be looked after in the event that something goes wrong. I think it's completely fair. We want to treat our customers the way we want to be treated when we shop online. Absolutely. What's next for the brand? Uh, we we kind of <laughs> dig in for a, for a moment with the Pandarista guys. Yeah. Uh, any future plans? Are you experimenting with uh, new materials? Can you give us a little, bit, little, little sneak peek of the future for Artem? Sure, sure. So again, number one thing for us is to keep working on our general business model of customer service being upfront and being the key. That's number one. So always in that regard, we're always looking to improve our own team, either expand the team or upskill them. How can we how can we do better in the back end of things to make sure things are much easier for our customers? That's the key. Then of course, when it comes to product development, it's always about addressing what our what our community is saying, what our customers are saying, what are they wanting? And I guess we've had a lot of requests from what seems to be the Omega community. Wanting a strap that doesn't have strap keepers. And uh, that's really echoed through. There's a lot There's a lot of inquiries coming through about that for us. So I guess um, you can probably figure out what we're working on currently. And the next upcoming product is in that line. Um, other than that, people have been asking about different colors of straps as well. You guys sell a black strap, love it. Own two of them or three of them or this many of them would love another color. So there is another color in the works. It's about, again, getting that combination with how it interacts with light absolutely smack bang. So we're just working through the final details of that. For all those interested, think of what color you'd like to see. Uh, I think for Omega should be blue. Just stay tuned. There you have it. Well, I, I would love yellow, to be honest, but that's just me. That's what we want. <laughs> we want the uh, conversation started. Uh, we have here a segment called What's in Your Watch Box? And uh, here we talk about watches you like, watches you have, watches uh, you want to get your hands on, and even watches you had, if you like. Uh, well, I can tell, tell you what I've got in my collection. Collection is pretty boring and simple, I'd say. I've got the Omega that I told you before, the uh, liquid metal. And uh, there's a Tissot Le Lock, which was a gift from my father, the Seiko SKX. Which is still, which still looks quite a fair bit like a Seiko SKX, surprisingly. Um, there is a uh, Panerai in the mix in there, the Pam uh, 005. And other than that, that's about it, really. That's not too exciting. What I would like to get would probably be a nice Rolex date just with the fluted bezel. There's just something about that. Again, being being yeah. enthusiasts of lighting and all things lights, I just love the way light interacts with that bezel. It has presence, absolutely. 
I mean, you see a lot of watches uh, in your Instagram from from customers putting your awesome straps on on their watches. Is there is there something that you see was like, oh, this is something I would imagine myself wearing? Our customers are some of our biggest inspiration, honestly. The way they pair our straps with their watches is so cool. I mean, how cool is it really? Absolutely. Like even the even even the way you you paired your watch and and all of that. That's we love that, honestly. Every time we see one, it's like, damn, I'd like that. <laughs> You know, but um, probably I do regret getting rid of a Speedy a couple of years ago, the He's a Light Crystal yeah. one. And uh, seeing as how much they're worth yeah. now, that was a bit of a regret <laughs> at that point in Atom's time. Hurt. And that, they look they look great on the Artem as well. Everyone's putting them on a Artem strap with grey stitching. That seems to be the go-to currently. It has become a movement. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Speedy. It's in my bucket list. I really like Speedy. Uh, and Speedy, it's a, it's, a, it's a strap monster. I mean, uh, what's, what strap that doesn't Speedy look good on? I mean, when I checked through your Instagram, there's something with the, with the hands on the Speedy and, and the stitching. It just complements, like, it becomes almost like OEM strap. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it really looks like it belongs on there and just that Speedy should be on nothing else. Um, we can finish a little bit with the, with the social media. And here I have to mention that uh, I guys really respect uh, how you interact with the watch community, how you listen to the watch community, understand you have uh, done modifications to the clasp or the buckle because of customer feedback. Can you speak about that a bit? Sure. Look, we're constantly monitoring um, commentary on not just Facebook and Instagram, but also other forums. We've got a We've got our guy who kind of sits there and sieves away at that sort of stuff. Not really for anything else, but it's just to see what feedback, because that feedback is gold. Your harshest critics are actually going to be giving you the best advice as well at the end of the day. And that's how we like to think. With regards to the buckle, yeah, there were a few um, bit of feedback given to us along the lines of how it can be made a bit more comfortable and removing of some of the sharper edges, and we've done that. We're always looking to improve in that regard. And whether it's Instagram or Facebook or any other forum, it's always welcome. Feedback is always welcome. You guys put work into it. It's obvious. Oh, absolutely. That's our community. Those are our friends. I mean, whether you're a customer or you know, if you're a critic, you're there to interact with us. You're doing us the honors of giving us your time. The least you deserve is a response in kind, you know? Um, did I miss anything? Uh, I mean, we're we're coming to the end of the podcast, but did I miss anything? Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, not really. I think uh, your podcast was quite comprehensive in that regard. And um, yeah, really, you've, you've told the Artem story pretty well. The key thing being probably the take-home message is our obsession with A, trying to find the perfect strap. And we'll probably never get there. If we find... If we ever make the strap and we go, that's it, that's finished, perfect, nothing to improve, we're lying to ourselves. We've lost the passion, that means. We're always wanting to get better. And number two is our obsession with customer service. Every one of our customers that interacts with us should be dealt with the way we want to be dealt with. That's the philosophy we're built on. And uh, you know, if that made it impossible to run a business, then a business shouldn't exist. I mean, if you think about all the companies that are successful today are companies that are obsessed with customer service. I mean, Amazon, uh, Apple as well, they're, they're obsessed with customer service. You have to be. Your customers are your most 
important asset. Not just that, but you, you, you were at one stage, you were a customer. You got to remember as a business owner. That was you at one, at one point. And for us, that really was us. We were the customer looking for a good sale cloth strap. And to leave those roots behind is just not, just not being fair. I mean, one of the most inspirational things for us is not even just on Instagram, but we get emails from customers sending us photos of how they're pairing their watches. And it's great. Like, it's genuinely enjoyable to actually receive that. So we welcome it anytime. Guys, if you're listening out there and you bought a strap and you're wearing it with something, feel free to shoot it through. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased that you guys uh, repost uh, one of our photos. Uh, we were playing badminton one day and I was like, oh, am I wearing a dress? What, what you're playing badminton? And it's like, I have to make a picture. <laughs> this is crazy. And you guys liked the picture yeah. and reposted. That was really nice. Yeah, it was a beautiful photo and it looked like we ha- you were having a nice time as well. So, you know, why not? It's the watch, the watch I'm wearing today. It's the... Oh, it's the same one. Right? Beautiful. That dial, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that dial is just loud and beautiful. And also, it pairs just so well with the strap. I mean, the continuation with the lugs to, to, the, to the strap is just like me- almost meant to be. Like the curvature from the lugs continues with yeah. the curvature of the strap. It's just rare to, to, to experience that. And I enjoy wearing it on, on the Artem, absolutely. That's great to hear. Case is so shiny and so is the the clasp so it just complements each other so so well and it's visible on the on the podcast the instagram bill bill thank you so much for coming on man uh, i hope to have you in the future with the future releases talking against straps and watches and uh, yeah thank you for coming man i would love to be on yeah it's really thank you for having us it's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the listeners, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please uh, comment and uh, give us your feedback on our Instagram through DMs and uh, comments when we post about uh, the episodes. Until next time, goodbye.